Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 336. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy that you are here to join us today. I'm also thrilled to introduce our guest today, Brittany Hoops. Brittany is a podcaster and qualitative researcher from Soul to Ply. I got that right. Oh my gosh, Soul yes, to Ply. Yes, like multiply your soul. Positive Productivity Podcast was twisting up my mouth earlier today. So <laughs> Soul to Ply. Oh, yeah. Well, welcome, Brittany. I'm so happy to have you here. Oh, thank you, Kim. I appreciate you bringing me on. Oh, you're so welcome. I would love if you would give a glimpse of your journey to the listeners and let them know how you wound up where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my journey has kind of been a, a roundabout one. That's for sure. A lot of people usually are working the nine to five and then, you know, maybe leave it to pursue some sort of creative career or, or something like that. Mine is actually quite the opposite. All growing up, I wanted to be an actress. I mean, ever since I was three years old, I would put on these little plays standing on the fireplace mantle to my parents and siblings. And I did theater all growing up. I did some indie film and off off Broadway sort of theater during school. I went to NYU and studied at Tisch School of the Arts for acting and even did a little bit of professional acting after school. But I just quickly kind of realized I tied so much of my identity and my skill to this one reference for myself that here I, Brittany equaled actress. And I never really stepped back and asked myself, is that truly what I want to do? Is that truly what defines me? I felt I reached this point where I re recognized that I was more than that and that I had other passions that I wanted to pursue and that it didn't encompass all who I was, even though that's who I'd kind of grown up to be. And so a few years after doing it professionally, I recognized that it was no longer my passion. And I, for a few years, I, I did definitely those post-college years were rough. I tried just about everything. I worked in an event planning company. I worked in talent management and casting and just a variety. I worked for a catering company and a restaurant development firm. I just tried just about everything. And eventually I found myself using some of my skills in recruiting and casting and leveraging that for a market research company and found the world of research, specifically qualitative research, which I don't know if you're familiar, Kim. Qualitative is more, you know, the stories and the interview side of research as opposed to quantitative, which might be a, a study. You know, you might have 100 completes for an online survey or something like that. That's the quantitative side. The qualitative side is the one-on-one -on -one interviews or maybe doing a focus group or, or whatnot. They Thank you and for so, explaining. That sounds like the yeah. fun side of research oh, to me. Oh, uh, yeah. I, maybe I'm biased, but I definitely think it's the fun side of research, especially you and I as podcasters. We're practically doing the qualitative side through our shows. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, and I'm not saying I don't like the quantitative side, but oh, yeah. Yeah. And sure. I'm biased, too. <laughs> well, I love qualitative research and I started doing it as more, more of a market research sense, you know, um, speaking to people about brands or products they like or innovation, things like that. And I recognized, well, you know, all during my acting days, I 
yes, it was about acting at the time, but really it was about pursuing a dream. And it was about having this goal in mind and working towards it. And that was something that just had always fired me up. I always loved to have something to look forward to, to work towards some sort of milestone, a sense of accomplishment. And I was really intrigued by that idea about how our identities get tied up in our goals and why we pursue goals and, you know, uh, things of that nature that I thought, well, now that I have this background in qualitative research, I love qualitative research. Let's go study goal setting. Let's see how we get around those mental obstacles. Let's see what happens when our dreams change. And I kind of sought to figure out some of those answers by interviewing driven, primarily millennial women who are kind of going through the same things. I have to ask, do you see millennial women as, let me back up a second. I didn't really see what my true goals were until I was 35. Mm -hmm. Because up until then, I'd been chasing income and not impact. And it was all about chasing the next dollar. And I was sacrificing a lot of time with my family in order to do that. But a lot of millennials are still young, not necessarily married. I mean, although a fair share are, Mm -hmm. but maybe just starting their family. Yeah. So how are you seeing that? I think what's interesting, and I mean, I can't speak so broadly. That's the one thing I do have to say with qualitative research. It is one-on-one interviews. So with quantitative, you can get that statistical significance. With qualitative, you can't. But from the conversations that I've been having, I think there's kind of an interesting way that millennials overall – that sense of passion, especially when it comes to millennials that are pursuing creative projects and creative goals that don't have kind of a set path to success, that deep seated desire to be pursuing something that kind of like lights your heart on fire. I feel like our generation or the millennial generation recognizes and values that a lot more than chasing the dollar per se, as you're kind of looking at it overall. At least the women that I'm speaking to, they recognize, many of them recognize that, yes, I would love to be able to make money doing the things that I love to do purely so that I could just support myself doing the things that I love to do. Not necessarily for, oh, what can it buy me or, you know, whatnot, but it's more, I want to have those hours in the day and I also need to pay my bills (laughs) sort of thought process. And that if I can spend those hours in the day doing the things that I love to do, that's a life well fulfilled. And I think that's from, from the conversations that I do have, uh, with, with other people who have been, you know, perhaps pursuing money more strongly or had other kind of, uh, priorities that they were, that were more aligned, especially with their career goals, um, that weren't that way. I feel like the women that I speak to that are driven in pursuing those creative goals, I wouldn't say they're a few steps ahead, but at least that's what they're valuing right now, which I think is, might be a little unprecedented compared to other generations. Oh, I absolutely love it. I don't know what generation my older children would be part of. I don't know that the generation has been named yet. Maybe you can tell me. I have a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old. Oh, gosh. You know what? That's so funny. I mean, I do research just with millennials, but I do. That came up in another study that I did a couple weeks ago. I can't remember what they're calling them now. Yeah. Oh, I'll have to look that up. That's going to bother me because it came up and I thought, oh, okay. That's, I mean, some people are calling them the I generation, which I think is funny, you know, like an iPhone sort of thing. That's kind of the colloquial, uh, you know, term for it. But there actually is, 
I forget if it's Nielsen or some other uh, reporting agency or market research came out with here are the ages for millennials specifically because as there's a new generation coming up, like you have to define that. Not I'm just happy the attention won't be on the millennials anymore. Millennials get such a bad rap and <laughs> now it's time for a new generation. I'm excited for that. They do and it's not necessarily fair because in my opinion, exactly what you were just talking about, the millennials are setting even a bigger they have even a bigger influence on well, my 12 and 15 year old than I do or my generation does. What generation am I? Am I X? 79. Okay. Yeah. Listeners, you know how old I am now. You can <laughs> but um, I mean, that I was right on the cusp. But yeah. for my boys, they see their dad in an office every day in a cubicle. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't see him there, but they know that's where he is. And yeah. we're not married anymore. And then they see my husband and I working at home on our own stuff. And I see them struggling because they're starting to wreck their brains now on what they want to do when they're older. Yeah. Now, do I want to do something that's going to make me a lot of money? Because, well, that's just how they think. Mm-hmm. But I'm constantly saying, well, is that really what you want to be doing? Can you see yourself doing that for the next 30 years? What yeah. is your goal? So one of them actually wants to be a a professional soccer player and the other one wants to be a major league baseball player. Oh, <laughs> which I love because yeah, having gone through college, not the same as you pursuing acting, but very yeah. similar. I went to college to be an interior designer because I wanted to head up a large architectural firm in New York City someday and own mm. a loft apartment and get one of those big, well, get one of those big lofts like in Ghost. Yeah, yeah. Swayze and Demi Moore and, <laughs> and do that. But then as as I got older, I realized this just really isn't for me. So yeah. obviously, I'm no longer in New York City. I'm in farm country, Ohio, where, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I can find lofts, but it, that's just not the ideal for me anymore. I know it yeah. is for some people. What yeah. do you see as being major turning points for, I don't necessarily want to say millennials, because I think they're realizing at a reasonable age what Mm -hmm. course to follow. But what do you see as turning points to when people do realize that they don't necessarily want to be, their goal isn't having more, 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 more money anymore. And then it really is more heart centered and passion centered. I think it's interesting because of course everyone has their own path. I'm realizing more and more through the conversations that I have that a lot of it has to kind of just be predicated on personality and priorities. And I say personality because I think there's kind of a spectrum that we all find ourselves on of how much dissatisfaction we can tolerate. And what I mean by that, Kim, is some of us, which I, I would include myself way on this end of the spectrum my goal in life is to spend as many hours of my life doing what I love to do. That's really Mm. so vital and important to me. And if it's, if it pays a lot of money, that's great. If it pays pennies, as long as I can get by, as long as I have food on the table, you know, because what I'm actually doing, you know, eight, 10, 12 hours a day is of utmost importance to me. It's funny because I was even just at, at dinner the other night with a friend and I have a friend who is very much on the other side of the spectrum. For him, he much rather work at a job that, you know, doesn't necessarily make him happy. I mean, he can tolerate it, but it tolerate, which that's just a word that almost makes me cringe. I couldn't tolerate anything. You know? It makes me cringe too. 
we're not guaranteed any time on earth to tolerate any kind of feel to an extent, you know what I mean? Uh, Mm -hmm. To be unhappy for years upon years upon years. Uh, That seems uh, like a risky proposition to me, just given that we are not guaranteed any time on earth. But for him, he much rather tolerate for 10, 20 years so that he can amass a large amount of money so that then he can have that, that release and, and, and live the life that he wants uh, after having accumulated so much money to do so. It's interesting to me because to assume that everyone is just one way, I mean, just like with any, Thing. You can't really do that. I think it does have a lot to depend on where you are on that spectrum, how much you want to tolerate the vision that you do have for your life. And I think a lot of people, when we see that shift, is they think that they're one way, they think that they can tolerate, and then they begin to recognize that no, no, they can't. Uh, actually, a guest that I just had on my show, her husband were doing the same exact thing. They thought that they're going to work for 10 years, they're going to amass a bunch of money, and then they were going to retire early. But then they begin realizing, wow, 10 years is a long time <laughs> to be doing that. Do we want the 10 years in the prime, you know, of our late 20s, early 30s to be miserable, which could lead to illness, which could lead to stress on their relationship, which could lead to so many other unfavorable things a 10 years time just for this payoff that may or may not come. And they decided, you know what, let's not do that. Let's go out and take this leap now. And they're actually traveling the country in a van as new entrepreneurs. They saved up about three years salary just in case. And, you know, they're taking the leap now because they don't have the types of personalities. They they thought they had the tolerable personalities and they're realizing that, no, they're on the other side of the spectrum. They want to maximize their amount of happiness now. Oh, I love that. And I didn't for the longest time, probably 30 years, I didn't realize there was any alternative to yeah. tolerating my circumstances. Well, I think online entrepreneurship now I mean, think about when you were saying that your kids, they're watching you and your husband and they're also watching their father, like have these different kind of career paths. I mean, the whole being able to work from home, to be able to work remotely, to create your own business with such ease relatively, you know, compared to other generations is just amazing. I mean, I don't have kids yet, but I'm excited for when I do start my family because just the opportunities available career-wise for these younger generations is just it's got to be so exciting. It's got to feel so limitless. And for me, who I consider myself a dreamer and I love to study dreamers, I feel like out of any point in time, being able to dream right now is just an exciting prospect. Oh my gosh, I totally hear that. I didn't realize how my dreams could get bigger every single day and my goals get bigger every single day. And that was something that my parents didn't really see either. You know, they, they had the goal of making it through this year, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting thought too, because I do see this and not to say it has to happen each person, but if you do kind of take a step back and look at your family history, I have noticed in in those that I speak with, it's it's like a swinging pendulum, right? My grandfather was very creative and changed jobs all the time and was always doing something new, but never really amassed any sort of riches or any sort of money, right? Followed his creative passions. Well, my dad grew up in that environment and to him, it was like, oh, that was awful. I want stability. That was not the environment I want to grow up in. So what did he do? He pursued a corporate path and was very successful in his career. And he kind of did. He swung the other way. Right. And then that pendulum. And now he's retired and now he's enjoying the life that he's always wanted. Granted, he started in his 50s, but, you know, now he's doing it. And then you have somebody like me that's like, oh, I couldn't wait till I was in my 50s. I have to do it now. I need to be creative now, you know, and I'm sure my kids are going to one day look at me and be like, we need stability. You know, it, it just goes back and forth. And I guess my hope is that that 
why does it have to go back and forth? Can't we find a good balance? Can't we do it in a way that is responsible and that is fulfilling and also sets a great example, you know, for future generations? And I think the online entrepreneurship world is kind of bridging the gap between those two. That is such an interesting thought. Because that is what so many entrepreneurs are looking for. We're looking to not be swinging the pendulum. We're looking for stability, but at the same time, growth and excitement. Mm -hmm. But there can a lot of times be those scary moments where we're wondering, okay, where's that next client? Yeah. Where am I going to find them? Because, Yeah. yeah, I'm scared. And then the goal might turn to just bringing in any dollar rather than the one that we're passionate about. Yeah. Just bringing in any client rather than one that we're really passionate about. So, yeah. Yeah. And Absolutely. Plenty. I think it's nice that becoming more and more commonplace that you can be a freelancer or that you could be an online entrepreneur, that you can have your own um, company and goals in this way. And so that I don't think there'll be such a, I don't want to say stigma because I don't think there is a stigma, but there's more and more people showing that this is possible. And so that it's not so much the the crazy uh, pendulum swinging one way or the other that, you know, who's just, I, I guess this was my thing when I was acting that I was, I was seeing people, you know, I graduated school uh, or I, entered college in 2008, you know, and I was seeing people lose their jobs left and right. People lose their, lose their fortunes left and right. And people who had taken the safe path. Right. And, and it was like, okay, so that's what you want me to go down. (laughs) It doesn't look too safe to me, you know, as an 18 year old entering college. Uh, So why not pursue what I love to do? You know, I don't think any path is considered stable or safe. It's the mindset that you bring to it and it's the ability to be flexible in whatever path you choose. So why not pick one that really, you know, lights your heart on fire? There's something that you really desire. Oh my gosh, how true is that? That's actually when I lost my job as an interior designer was in 2008. And because I had already moved to Ohio, Dayton, Ohio, we had GMC plants being closed. We had DHL Mm. that had closed local. There were tens of thousands of people unemployed around here. And Dayton, Ohio is not the mecca of interior designer, interior architecture. But by that time, thankfully, I had already realized This just isn't for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how sometimes those seemingly, you know, negative events can actually lead to to big, uh, you know, positive changes or at least, you know, give you that opportunity to kind of realign and determine what you want, you know. And uh, I think that's the thing that I I find so intriguing about goal setting is that, yes, we want to have a goal. And yes, you need to stick with that goal to reach it. But what happens when that dream changes or that goal changes and being able to have the flexibility and the, the great enough sense of yourself to, to admit to yourself that, hey, this isn't a path I want to go down any longer. And that doesn't mean that I failed. It just means that I'm in tune with myself en- enough to know that I've changed. Because uh, to, to assume that you're going to go down the same route your whole life and that's it is, is to assume that you're not going to grow. And I think that's a foolhardy way to look at it. Brittany, I don't know if you know, but I'm writing a book called Chronic Idea Disorder. Because hmm. I see that so many entrepreneurs get so many ideas. And before... They finish the idea that they just had yesterday before they finish building it out and launch it and really get it out to the public. They've gotten a new idea and they start on that. And personally, I, I would be really interested in looking back over my entrepreneurial journey at how much time and energy I put into ideas that I never fully realized. Yeah. I call it, I have a graveyard of ideas in my backyard. Oh, yeah. I have a a Word document (laughs) full of ideas that have have yet to see the light of day. Maybe some of them will. Maybe some of them won't. 
how do you control which idea you're working on right now and what your top goal is at the moment? I think that's interesting because that is the, here's where we get into that, that unique flexion point between, okay, how do we know when it's genuinely time to change our goals because they're no longer aligned? Just like, you know, how is it time that I'm not going to pursue interior design and I'm going to switch gears and do something else? Or, or like me, when do I decide not to be an actress and pursue something else versus, oh, I have this idea graveyard and I just don't stick with anything long enough to see it through. To answer your question, to know which idea you should prioritize, which idea you should focus on, really needs to be most connected with what is pulling your excitement, what is pulling your desire, and really kind of bundle it up to a higher purpose. So I, I look back and I see, even with Soul Supply, which I guess I never said, you know, after I found qualitative research, I decided to pursue goal setting and I wanted to share the insights and the conversations that I was hearing with these young goal getters. And so I, I developed Soul Supply. And first it started out as a blog. I, I love to write, start out as a blog. Then I did a little bit of YouTube and tried to do some video sort of thing. And now in beginning of this year, I launched the Soul Supply podcast. And so when I look at that topically, Kim, I kind of see, oh, okay, well, I pursued a lot of different versions of this and I kept on switching it up. And yes, you do kind of have to, to keep in mind that the more you keep on switching, you know, sometimes it, it does take time for something to latch on, for something to work, for you to, to really recognize what is working for you. But I also kind of view those moments, at least in the example that I'm giving from my own life with Soul Supply, that those moments that you kind of have to fit find out what works for you and you have to get your bearings and you know it's, it's like a young child learning to walk you know you're gonna stumble a few times and you might need to try a few different things before you find what really works for you before you can run and I think it's giving yourself that leeway and understanding that you're not going to be expert at the beginning so some of your ideas aren't going to be expert and I mean I look back at past websites that I developed for Soul Supply or past blog posts or things and I realize how far I've come and and I appreciate that I'm glad that you know, you have to have that discretion to know, okay, is it time to switch because this isn't working or I have a better idea? Give yourself that leeway. You don't want to be so rigid that, oh, this is what I said I'm going to do from the get-go. And if I stop, then that means failure. It's really recognizing, okay, what's serving that higher purpose, that higher goal, which for me has always been curiosity and conversation. That's what I want to do with Soul Supply. I want to help goal getters achieve their goals by being curious around the people around me and how they're achieving their own goals and then being able to share that with people who are achieving their goals as well through conversation. And I think a podcast does that great. A blog post, not so much. So I'm glad I switched. Thank you for bringing up that higher purpose because I know I was personally stuck in it and we've already talked about it. I, I was chasing the dollar. I didn't care what I did. Yeah. I didn't have that purpose. But there's Simon Sinek's what is your why, you know, mm -hmm. the the why TED Talk. Steve yeah. Ulster has what is your what. Do you have any advice for millennials or, or any entrepreneur or any person in general who just mm -hmm. really doesn't know what their why or what is right now? How th How they can really start digging deep to figure out what their bigger purpose during their time here is? Absolutely. And I think it's one of those things that people want to come at it logically. They want to sit down and they want to, and maybe a list and writing things out will help you. If you're that kind of person, then that's great. But it's not something that you can just be like, I'm going to put this on my calendar. I'm going to find my purpose today, you know, but you do have to take action. And I think the best advice that I would give based on the conversations that I've had is that you need to kind of pursue that excitement. 
and I think it's one of those things that you know when you'll know. And how are you going to begin to know is you have to go out and try things. A lot of times, some of our biggest clues into what our purpose is, is by really recognizing what's not. You know, I, I look back on those that, that period of time after I gave up acting and I tried just about everything. I mean, any industry you could imagine. <laughs> I was there for a moment in time. And I was so, I felt like I was floundering. And it, it's only with time and perspective are you able to look back and be grateful for something like that. But I am actually very grateful for the fact that I tried a bunch of different careers that I thought would re- be really fulfilling. And each one had something that I knew automatically you know, nope, this isn't good for me, you know? And so sometimes that negative feedback, it actually leads you more and more towards what you want. Okay. So you can cross one thing off a list. Great. <laughs> That's one less thing, you know? And, and so keep on going. And I think a lot of people, they get frozen in fear. They get really complacent. They don't know what their purpose is. So they're just going to kind of sit here and hopes that it, and, and hope that it will strike them like a bolt of lightning. And unfortunately it just, it doesn't work that way. It, you have to meet it halfway. And that means you have to try something. It might not be the right answer, but you got to try something and rest assured that if it isn't the right answer, you can switch. Some people listening might, you know, gasp. (laughs) I can't imagine doing that. And I will say it is difficult. Uh, You know, I felt like my friends and family were calling me the girl who cried job, you know, instead of wolf because it was a new passion. It was a new purpose every week. But really, I had to kind of set aside what I thought that they were thinking about me or or what I felt, you know, that storyline that they were saying. And I had to set that aside and be like, you know what, this is in service for this is my life. This is my priorities. This is my purpose. There is nothing more important right now, but for me to figure this out and it doesn't matter what other people are thinking. Uh, a lot of people might be judging because they're too scared to do it themselves because it's a hard process to go through. But as long as you keep on trying new things, as long as you keep on refining based on the positive and negative feedback that you get from trying that particular purpose at, at the time. And as long as you keep on pursuing what makes you excited, something that you can't wait to accomplish, something that you can't wait to do, uh, you know, work that you can't wait to do, you know, you're not going to jump out of bed every morning, you know, rosy and excited to go to work. That's just not realistic. But what's something that, you know, you don't want to be on the tolerable end. I feel like a lot of people are tolerating the lives that they're living and that's no way to go find a purpose. I have in my bedroom a huge Rubbermaid bin full of yarn and knitting needles mm. and maybe quarter finished knitting projects, sweaters, mm. and blankets, and you name it, it's in there because I was tolerating the projects. But when mm. I find that one that just lights me up, then you can't take me away from my no. needles or my yarn no. until it's finished. In several of the past episodes, both solo and guests, we've talked about how sometimes your mess becomes your message and your passion. Mm -hmm. And that's how it was for me. Yeah. The the fact that I had gotten so sleep deprived that I was ready to end it all became my passion because I don't want other entrepreneurs to be there. I don't want them to be feeling suicidal, which is where I eventually got to. And I'm thankfully Mm -hmm. no longer there because now... I would love to know, and I'll come back to this a sec in a second. I would love to know what it felt like for you when you realized, oh, this is it. But that yeah. is really what it felt like for me. I mean, like the, the clouds parted and I realized, holy moly, yeah. this is what it is what I'm supposed to be doing. And mm-hmm. a year and a half later, yes, I have put out a couple things that I'm not so like, it's not that I'm not proud of them, but yeah. I'm definitely not passionate about them. Yeah. But I've got the podcast is, well, just a second. This is actually episode 336. I'm 
336 episodes into a podcast. Oh man, that's amazing. Yeah. I this is just one of those things. And chronic idea disorder. The book is still stuck in my head, listeners. You've yeah. been hearing about it since episode one, two, somewhere mm-hmm. back there. It will get out, but I'm still super passionate about getting it out there. And yeah. what did it feel like to for you when you realized this is it? This oh, is what I'm Kim. Yeah. I mean, I have a very similar experience, just how you described it because the the road and the journey is so rocky to figure out what that purpose is is like and what really does fuel you. And I mean, I was trying so many different jobs, so many different industries. I can remember exactly where I was. And I always tell this story because it's, it's kind of random uh, just to say, don't don't ever expect that your purpose kind of will uh, will will become clear to you in any way that you think it will. You know, uh, I, w- I was on the subway. I was living in New York City at the time. I was on the subway, the ACE line, which is this kind of really run down uh, side of uh, subway line on the west side of Manhattan. And I was sitting there in a, a car alone. It was early in the morning. I was going to some I think I was working at a catering company at the time. So something like that. And I was just sitting there and it just, I don't know. It was just kind of this thought that just opened up my whole line of thinking. It's like all of a sudden everything was clear. It was like, well, of course, Brittany, what has been the one thing that has always been with you your whole life? The one thing that you've always been so excited about, it's been setting goals and it's been dreaming and it's been recognizing that, oh, there's opportunity, there's limitless opportunity in what you can do with your life. I mean, the fact that you have these, uh, you know, these moments in time on earth and it's up to you to decide what you're going to do with them. The idea of that was just so exciting. And I had been reading and listening any self-help or self-development work that I could get my hands on. I was just gobbling up and it was really speaking to me because I recognized that it was helping me kind of along that journey. And for me to kind of recognize, well, now I'm just kind of interested in knowing how other people relate to this material, how other people are relating to their goals and dreams and just wanting to have that kind of conversation. It's like the puzzle pieces. It's like they were all scattered out on the table for a really long time, right? These pieces of the puzzle. And I finally just made them all fit. And it felt really nice. And then as a driven person, because many of us are, it can be so frustrating because it's like we want that purpose because then we don't know how to move forward. But then once you have kind of that clear idea, being able to move forward, it's like, I wouldn't say it feels effortless because, you know, you're still learning, you know, it's like the, uh, the baby learning to walk or to crawl. Yes, it still takes momentum and movement, but it doesn't take struggle. I guess it's not effortless, but you don't have the sense of struggle any longer because so many of us want to take action. It's not that we're lazy. It's not that we're, you know, anything other than wanting to do what we want to do with our lives. We just don't know what direction to take it. And so once having kind of that clearer sense of purpose, all the pieces just started to fall into place. It's like, okay, well, I know how to take action on this now, now that I know what direction I'm taking action in. And that was such a relief. Well, your action took you cross country. Yeah, it's funny. That was a whole other goal and dream of mine was to live in California. You know, I I lived in New York at the time. Now I live in Los Angeles. And that was just a goal and dream of mine since I was, gosh, in high school. Uh, I've always wanted to live in California. And it's funny because even now, you know, here I am, I'm no longer an actress and I'm living in, you know, well, I don't live in Hollywood, but I I live in Los Angeles. I live real close. And it's just funny how life works out that I ended up here anyways, even despite not pursuing, you know, a career in acting. It was just a place that I always 
wanted to live and it was a huge goal of mine. I mean, I'm, and, and I know you are Kim too, from listening to your show and, and reviewing your website, you know, I'm a big believer in the law of attraction and that's huge for me. And living in California was something that I always kept in my mind as a dream. And once I kind of had some flexibility in my job and the qualitative research that I do, I don't necessarily have to be in one location. My boyfriend at the time, which soon became my fiance and is now my husband, he was ready to leave New York. And we both said, okay, well, where do we want to live? And we visited California to just to make sure that it was the right place. It was, we fell in love with it and I could work from anywhere. So he found a job here and made that dream happen. Oh, I love that. Yeah. In our pre-chat and listeners in some of the earlier episodes, you can hear how I just recently went to the new media summit. Being in Ohio, you know, I'm in the Bible Belt right now. And my faith is mm -hmm. very important to me, too. But I do mm -hmm. follow the law of attraction. So mm -hmm. it, it is very interesting, especially when I was just in San Diego, surrounded by a lot of woo. And I mean yeah. in, the, in the best way. <laughs> it was nice because yeah. it reminds me, especially when I'm surrounded by so much blue collar around here. Mm -hmm. It reminded me, no, you need to step it up. Think bigger. Think bigger, Kim. Yeah. And I think that's where, what goal setting and the beautiful kind of uh, relationship between law of attraction and goal setting for me is finding that balance, you know, is dreaming big and recognizing that there are really no limits as long as you can dream and you can pursue and being excited. And then having the other part of that being motivated by that, you know, by no means does that mean throw it up on a vision board and it will just automatically happen. It's like, no, it's going to inspire action. That's why it's called inspired action. But we need to hear that, have that clear vision first before we can have that inspired action. Just like the example I was giving before, the pieces start to fall into place once you can get clear on what you want. But that really is the first step. So once you get clear on your action, and once you know what you're supposed to be doing, it can be so deep into it. I find myself in this way. I mean, I was still mm -hmm. working at one o'clock this morning because I was so passionate about what I was building for my own business. Yeah. What type of self care do you have set up in your own life? that you make sure that you're stepping away and taking time for you. That's not work. Yeah. That's love that you asked that Kim, because that's something that I'm deeply exploring with soul supply and a lot of the work that I'm doing too, because especially, and, and this speaks to a very particular kind of person, but if it's you, I know you're sure to resonate with it because I get emails and I get messages about it all the time. But a lot of us who are very driven or who are, who love to set goals, love to achieve them. You know, sometimes we're a little type a, you know, that kind of comes along with the package a, a lot of times can get so wrapped up in these goals. Just like you said, that we can almost become a obsessive about them and that we can start beating ourselves up if we don't stick to our schedule, that we could, you know, sacrifice sleep because of it. We can do all of this. And I recognize at least in myself that now I love goals. I love dreams. I love pursuing something, but I always caution myself of getting my identity too wrapped up in it because I, I remember that cautionary tale of feeling like Britney equals actress and not knowing who I was without that label. And I feel like sometimes we can do that with our goals and dreams. Who are we if we're not pursuing something? And what is our value even if we don't have a goal that we're pursuing or don't have a dream? It can make us feel very, I hate to say it, but worthless at times if we don't know what our purpose or passion is. 
my heart goes out to people who are struggling with that right now because I know what that feeling is like. And I know when you look around, especially with social media these days, it's impossible to escape. When you look around, it seems like everybody else has it figured out, but you don't and you're struggling internally. And it just feels like you only value yourself when you're driven and you're accomplishing things and here you aren't accomplishing something. So where's the value? And my hope with that is that no one has to feel that way. And so I'm actually with Soul Supply starting, uh, I think at the end of May is, is when we're trying to, to start this, but we're starting a journey of unstriving. And I'm calling it that, Kim, because I think sometimes you can strive and you can go so much and so hard that you begin to kind of lose focus on what you were looking towards, what you were looking forward to. And I want to kind of reestablish that foundation for folks who are so caught up in pursuing their goals and dreams that they've let go of self-care activities and that they've lost that foundation of themselves to recognize that, yes, you are a worthy, awesome human being, no matter if you're achieving a goal or not. And to recognize, okay, how can we be happy with what we have right now? And how can we be joyful in that life? and maybe taking things a little slower while we give ourselves kind of the grace and the room to just naturally see what goals and dreams develop from that. For me, I've always been so focused on the go, 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 the hustle, hustle, hustle of goal setting. What if we turn that on our on its head and we look at the other side of that coin and we say, okay, can we get okay with just being still and being present and being joyful no matter if the goal has been achieved or not as a way to recognize that balance and where's that sweet spot in the middle? Ooh, I love that. Mm-hmm. So how do you manage to sit still if there's... Ah. Because I can't. Like, I, I have, you know, all my favorite movies on Amazon Prime. And mm-hmm. I am incapable. And this might be a harsh way of putting it. Yeah. But don't ask me to sit down at night and just watch a movie. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. drives me crazy to be sitting there and not be doing something else at the same time. Why do you think that is? Because my... Here, I'm asking questions on your show, but... Oh, well, no, I, I love why, it. Why do you think that is? Because I'm striving mm-hmm. all the time. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to take action right now and keep on going and keep on going and keep on going. And that's yeah. why, I mean, I took the red eye home yesterday. I got home at 10 o'clock in the morning and I still manage... And I'm not saying, listeners, that you should do this. I yeah. I was still up at one o'clock this morning. I, listeners, I did get my seven to eight hours of sleep last night, but mm. I did not sleep really the night before because I was on the airplane. Yeah. Yeah. But I was so on fire. And maybe I mm. need to give myself grace for this time because I did just come back from an event and I was yeah. so inspired. But that's how it usually is, though. Yeah, I think that's the delineation, Kim, because were you on fire in that inspired kind of way? If yes, then it's like, well, then ride that. I don't think self-care isn't just like, oh, it's like not a numerical thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, oh, I need this amount of. Yes, I guess we should aim for seven, eight hours of sleep on average. That's good for our health. But like there's going to be ebbs and flows, you know, Mm -hmm. and being in tune with your own ebbs and flows. I mean, I'm one of those kind of people that I need a good amount of sleep. I just know that about myself. I'm so envious 
envious of those that can operate successfully on less hours of sleep. I wish I could do it, but I'm not. And, but there are moments like you just described, like I actually just did, I redesigned my logo for Salt Supply and I stayed up until the wee hours of the morning, but it was such a creative energy. It was just, it felt like it was just flowing out of me and into my computer. And it was fun. And I, I didn't feel tired the next day because it wasn't forced. And it's funny that you asked me this and I was almost hesitant to bring up this journey of unstriving because I haven't started it yet. And I'm excited to end of May on the Supply podcast. Every episode will be kind of almost an audio diary of what it means to go on this journey of unstriving. So anyone that's listening can follow along. And I only think it's a journey of unstriving if you feel that it's bringing you if it's a pain point for you. I think a lot of people can go, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. That works for them. But for me, I recognize that it was draining me when it was forced, when it wasn't this creative burst of inspiration, when it was like, here's what, you know, X, Y, Z successful online entrepreneur says I need to do. So I'm going to do it. And, and, and trying to fit myself into this mold of what I thought success should look like and recognizing, you know, no, 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 let's step back. This isn't feeling right. And maybe I am striving too much and maybe I need to take a moment, even though I've always been this big goal setter and maybe I need to take a moment and settle down and say, okay, what really truly is important and get still for once and just see where that leads. And I wish I could tell you what the ending of this, but maybe we could check back in or something. And after I've had a few weeks of the journey of unstriving, I'm sure between the experiences that I'll be sharing and the experiences of those of Soul Supply that are going along the journey with me, there's sure to be surprising things that come up on just how we can get okay with our goals and achieve them in a way that's healthy, you know, that's unstriving. I love it. And I love that you are not even on this journey yet. Oh, not yet. Nope. (laughs) And I have to share. I can't wait, though. I And I shared this in the episode with Jenny Nash, which I'll put in the show notes. But for a couple months, I didn't even think about doing my book, writing my book, because I was reminded that I don't know the ending yet. Yeah. But chronic idea disorder is not something that I'm ever going to overcome completely. Mm -hmm. I just need to know how to better handle it and know how to take one project at a time. But it's always going to be here. I am constantly going to be getting yeah, a never ending stream of ideas. And, yeah. it, you know, unless I'm on drugs or something, you know, but yeah. it's, it's always going to be here. So yeah. to use that as an excuse for not moving forward is not a good excuse. No, it's about finding that balance. And I had a lot of fear about because how this journey of unstriving came up and I'll be doing a, a series of soul experiments with soul to apply, you know, it's journey of unstriving right now, but you know, a couple months from now it might be something different. I don't know. I, I like the idea of trying to kind of just view a topic, um, through kind of a lens of like a mini soul experiment. And what kind of came about from this is that I just felt like I was forcing so much. I was forcing this idea of success and I felt a lot of pressure. Here I am a qualitative researcher that focuses on goal setting And I was forcing so many of my goals and I was forcing kind of this idea of success and I was feeling kind of very beaten down by some of the people around me and just comparing myself. And I was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. We need to get back down to basics. I mean, I'm talking foundational basics. Let's take away all the goals so that we can see what's left so that we can find that balance eventually. And I mean, it's a little scary here. People listen to my show right now because they're goal getters. (laughs) They love to set goals and they love to do that. And I'm a little scared that maybe they'll see, you know, and a journey of unstriving may not be for them, but I think 
think for a lot of us, a friend of mine, when I was telling her about this journey, she said something really great that I love. She's like, Brittany, this is the new wave of goal setting. That's what she said. And I was like, you know what? I think that's so true because I think so many of us, we do have all what it takes to make big things happen in our lives. But now we've gotten to the point, okay, how do we do that and have it still feel good? You know, we're not too drained and we're feeling that we're really in touch with who we are while we're doing it. And we're not just trying to copy someone else because that's how they became successful or whatnot. And so that's what I'm really trying to, I want to remove the goals so that we can add them back in a little bit at a time and find what is that balance there? You know, it's not all or nothing. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Brittany, this has been an amazing chat, and I just want to ask, where can listeners go to learn more about you and get on the journey of unstriving when that time comes? And listeners, before I forget to mention, you'll be able to find all the links at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP336. Oh, awesome. Yes. If you're interested in the journey of unstriving or any of my work on goal setting and research there and the fun conversations that I've had with pretty inspiring people, feel free to go to soultoply.com. Everything's there. I have a podcast uh, that, that's by the same name. So you can find that in Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your, wherever you listen to Kim's show, you could probably find me there as well. I hope to have you. And if you're interested in setting goals, we can do this together. That's what I'm excited. I keep on calling myself a guinea pig and guide because I'll share my experience. But at the same time, I'm excited to go on this journey so that I can help facilitate the same journey for other people down the road. Can I borrow that guinea pig and guide? I love yeah, that. Yeah, guinea pig and guide. I thought that just captured it so well, right? You know, it's like you kind of have to be both because I can't, I have to live through it, right? To be able to help others. That's the truth. You can't help anybody if you haven't gone through it yourself. And so I thought, you know what? We're, let's do both at the same time. We're going to go on this journey together. But then my job will kind of, the researcher in me will to be kind of take that step back and say, okay, but what are the parts of this journey? And how could I teach it to someone else? And that's, you know, I can't wait to be able to do that, to share that. Oh, I love that. And that's what I do on on the digital marketing side of my business. I guinea pig yeah. my own website, my own marketing, and then yeah. I will guide other people through it. So oh, yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> borrowing that. So thank, sure. thank you so much for, for sharing. And again, listeners, you can find the links at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP336. And there will be a link to Brittany's podcast there as well. I know we would both love it if you would listen well you're obviously already listening subscribe rate and review because your subscription rate and review will help us get bigger exposure so we can better help the people who are looking for us Brittany I would love to know if you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners before we sign off for today and once again thank you so much for being here yeah, yeah. No, thank you, Kim. A parting piece of advice. I guess I would say as I'm back on my journey so far and the journey that I'm about to bark on too, right? We're all works of progress. That's what I love about, about goal setting and everything is just recognizing, I guess if there's one thing that I wish I would have learned sooner and I'm glad that I eventually have learned is just to really be in touch with what excites you. I think especially we, we were talking so much about purpose here in this episode, Kim. And like, and just, I think that's one of the biggest indicators. I always think back on my mom always told me before I met my husband, she was like, when you met meet the guy that you want to marry, you know, when you know, you'll know. And I was like, oh, that's just such a frustrating piece of advice, right? Because I don't know yet, you know? And, and, and so the answer was always no, unless I, unless I knew. And it wasn't until I met him 
didn't take very long at all for me to just instantly know that he, he was my other half. And I feel the same applies to your goals and your dreams when you know, you'll know. And a lot of times what can be an indicator that, you know, is that it really excites you and not in that way that we're pushing ourselves too hard and staying up till one in the morning because we're forcing ourselves to, but in that creative burst of energy, Oh, this is just flowing through me sort of way. And the only way you're ever going to know that is if you keep trying things until you find uh, the thing that works. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. Uh-huh.